Welcome to the Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your co-host, Adrian Guest, along with my co-host, Devin Dito. We're back at it, Weekly Roundup style, here with Weekly Roundup number seven. It's March 5th. Devin, as always, we got plenty of news to cover. Can't wait until we're on like CNN or MSNBC <laughs> and we're like bringing this to somebody. Or maybe we could be like, uh, what is it, Jesus and, and uh, Mary? What's, I can't remember the other guy's name. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> I think they moved to Showtime. Maybe that's more appropriate for what we'll yeah. be bringing. But anyway, listeners, we're back at it again. Our weekly roundup is a way just to bring you the news to make sure you know what's going on in the world, near, far, wherever, and we'll make sure we're updating you. So we're going to take you to our first segment where we're going to start off talking about the State of the Union address. And I know most people don't listen to the state of the union. Um, I chose to kind of listen to it cause I was curious as to what president Joe Biden was going to say. And, you know, Devin, he said some good stuff. You know, some of the more interesting things that I heard him talk about was, you know, his tactics that's going to help with, you know, cancer research and things like that. That's like something that, you know, I don't really hear a whole lot of presidents ever talking about. So it was really cool to kind of see that, um, I think he said a lot of the same things that he's kind of always said as far as, you know, we've got to, you know, fix taxes because uh, he talked a lot about that. You know, he even took a shot at Trump with the tax cuts versus what he's doing right now. He got a little bit of booze and stuff like that. And I mean, you know, he talked a lot about health care. He talked a lot about, you know, uh, you know, Voting Rights Act. He talked so much about all these incompletes that he kind of has in his administration right now and how the Republican Party essentially, you know, he didn't say that, but essentially he was pretty much saying that was needing to move the ball on a lot of these issues and basically just start working in Congress. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will, you know, will say this and that, and there's probably a lot of fact checking and stuff like that to kind of go over what he said. But Overall, I thought it was needed. You know, he didn't do a lot as far as talking about Russia, which I thought was a little interesting. I feel like he kind of talked a little bit about it in the in the beginning and a little bit in the middle, but um, not too, too much other than, yeah, I mean, I guess it was enough. He did mention the international front against them, but, you know, pretty good speech, Devin. Yes, I mean, I think if I'm grading Joe Biden, I would probably give him a B minus, you know, B minus to a B. I That's thought it was fair. a good That's speech. Good. I thought he started out really strong. I'm not going to lie. I was I was a little bit impressed. I mean, you know, he's not the greatest speaker, but I thought his opening when he was talking about Ukraine and what Putin met was, I think he quoted like a wall of strength that he didn't, you know, couldn't have imagined. I thought that his opening segment about Ukraine and Russia was really, really good. And was what was needed in this time of just, you know, sure handedness. Like, I got this. We're going to be okay. He actually said that, like, we're going to be okay when talking about the possibility of nuclear war and, you know, rising gas prices and things like that. And there were some, some things that he announced, you know, that you were kind of like, okay, that's not going to happen. Like, there were some wish list things, like you say. Um, <clears throat> but there were some other things I think they, he announced that they were going to cover you know, veterans that had had health issues related to being near burn pits when they were, you know, abroad. So he, you know, that actually did pass this, the Senate in the House. So that is actually going to happen. They're going to cover, the VA is going to cover those soldiers who had 
health conditions because of that. But he also talks a lot about, of course, you know, building this massive network of electric charging stations. I don't know if that's going to happen, you know, but he, he, he did say that. Um, but I thought overall, I think the speech was good. There were some moments where I was like, okay, Joe, where are you going? When, you know, particularly when he got to talking about policing, you know, he, he sounded like, you know, if you closed your eyes, you would have thought it was Trump sometimes because he said, you know, you don't need to defund the police, which we agree with. We talked about that. But he came out strongly and said, we need to fund them. We need to fund the police. So he's trying to take that away from Republicans that, you know, because that worked during the 2020 uh, election to get a lot of people on the local level elected. But, you know, I thought overall, it's like you say, it's a normal speech. They give their wish list. But a lot of those things aren't going to happen. I think if you were a black person watching you know, it's it's any other State of the Union address. I mean, it's like, yeah, okay, things are going well. Gas prices are going up. Inflation is high. Joe Biden and company are running, steadying the ship. I think that's the only thing I took from it was we have a sane person in the White House. <laughs> you know, and I at least I do trust him to at least keep the tr- the country on track. We're not going to fall backwards. And I think that's, at this point, is all we can really ask for. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> going Falling backwards, I don't know. It's interesting. I feel like we are <laughs> falling backwards. I had a conversation with my boss on, you know, critical race theory and, and, and you know, things like that. And she's white and she had said something about, you know, she, she, she strongly stated before even saying all she said, she was like, I don't say much on these issues because I don't know a whole lot. Um, about this kind okay. of stuff. And I was like, fair enough. But she was like, you know, she was, she said that we shouldn't have taken down a lot of the monuments and the Confederate, you know, monuments and stuff like that. Um, and she was, she's on the all lives matter bandwagon. And, you know, <laughs> fortunately I started talking to her about some stuff and it kind of, you know, opened up her eyes to things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wish, President Biden's speech could have opened up eyes for some of the Republican Party. I don't think it did. And I don't think that a lot of the things he's wanting to get done is going to happen with this current Congress. But midterms are here, listeners. We're going to keep you in the loop uh, about what's going to be happening. We're going to have some episodes around midterms. And then, of course, next season is going to be a lot about congressional reform since uh, Congress is going to be center stage of everybody's TVs and media and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, Devin, like I said, you know, average speech, I agree, B minus, B plus, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, good, good, good speech, President Biden, you know. <laughs> hey, that, that's all you can ask for. He didn't start any more controversies. Um, but we'll move on from uh, President Joe Biden. We're going to get into the news, the bulk of our show here. So our first story is going to be about Delta Airlines. So there's now a black customer who was accusing the airline of discriminating against her at the request of white passengers. And so Camille Henderson was flying from Atlanta to San Francisco when two white female passengers sat in two aisle seats on the same row and began complaining about a lack of space. Ms. Henderson in an interview with ABC seven news said attendants then forced her to the back of the flight to accommodate, to accommodate the women despite being some way into the journey. She told the news station that walking to the back of the aircraft was, quote, humiliating 
and attacked Delta Airlines for asking her to relocate more than an hour into the into her flight to make two white men, white women comfortable. Ms. Henderson says she tried to file a complaint with Delta, but felt the interaction was inadequate with the customer service agent for the airline allegedly asking, how are you humiliated for them to ask you to go to another seat, end quote. So uh, she's obviously not happy. I don't think anybody would be happy an hour into a flight and they're making you move. Um, So (laughs) she is rightly calling out Delta for what they did. Yeah. If now, if it was something like a legit reason for her having to move, like, you know, she was causing trouble or, you know, something was like that. But if it's just like these two ladies are just uncomfortable and, and Hey, flight attendant, can you get this black lady to move? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's a race issue. It could just be these two women of privilege or whatever. I don't know. I mean, it yeah. sounds the way the way the um, author of, uh, of the article wrote it, it definitely makes it sound like it's a, a Karen situation or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. But another interesting story here, uh, listeners, the Department of uh, Treasury plans to establish a Treasury Advisory Committee on Race Equity and has published notice of its formation in the Federal Register. The federal, uh, the Treasury Advisory Committee on Racial Equity will be one part of a three-part strategy to modernize the department's diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility operations. The advisory committee will identify, monitor, and review aspects of the United States economy that have directly and indirectly resulted in unfavorable conditions for Black, Latino, and Indigenous, as well as Native American persons. Asian Americans, Pacific Islander communities are also on our communities are also on the list too. Some key areas of focus includes financial inclusion, capital access, housing stability, federal government supplier diversity, and economic develop, uh, development. Potential members will likely come from financial service industry, state regulatory authorities, consumer organizations, public advocacy and community-based groups, academia, and philanthropic organizations. So, Devin, I thought this was a cool little thing for us to kind of talk about whenever I saw this. Um, We've talked so much about how the United States needs to apologize for its role in racial discrimination and its role in making it to where minority communities are uh, disenfranchised from many of the institutions that we have. And whenever we said that the start needs to be not from the Cherokee Nation, not from, you know, the American Psychology Association, but from the federal government, it's almost like the Department of Treasury kind of hurt us or something like that. Maybe they were listening to weekly roundups or something. <laughs> you know, this sounds like an answer to what you were talking about and saying, you know, the federal government needs to acknowledge their role and how they've messed up communities of color and start to figure out ways they're going to, you know, make amends for that. Now, obviously, this is, you know, early on, they haven't gotten the uh, committee members established, committee hadn't even started working yet. But when I saw this, I was like, this sounds very, very, very promising. And I hope that uh, we have a Democrat in the White House in 2024, because this is going to be a plan that's going to have to take another administration probably to really get going. Exactly. I mean, it's a great start. Um I'm glad they were listening. Shout out to the Treasury Department <laughs> for listening to the Black Agenda. <laughs> but no, I think it's a great start. Hopefully, at the very least, it will help 
to document, you know, the discrimination that has happened or is happening or and is happening. So at the very least, it's, it's an acknowledgement that the current system is not working and is not equitable. And, in you know, every every community is not getting the opportunity to really participate in a real way in the financial system. And so that's this is a, an exact acknowledgement of that problem. So um, hopefully they'll have a diverse, you know, committee that will, will reflect the actual country and the people from each community. So I'm interested to see who they actually end up having on this committee. But as they fill it out, you know, we'll, of course, keep you updated with who those members are and really interested to see what kind of work they're going to be doing. But nonetheless, this is definitely a good, you know, you know, a, a good thing. And this is we're moving in the right direction, at least in some places. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of those things to where um, they are hitting a lot of aspects. And I also wanted to make sure our listeners know um, they're actually taking uh, nominations from the public. Um, you can actually nominate somebody to be a part of this. I think it's going to be a 25 person committee, if I remember the article correctly. And you just have to go to the federal registers website within the next few weeks uh, and they'll let you make nominations for this committee. So, you know, I think that that's pretty, pretty good. I don't know how many people they'll take from uh, the public's um, nominees, but um, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of works into the plan. All right. No, I mean, that's, that's different, <laughs> but we'll, of course, we'll let you know who gets nominated. And if you have someone who you think might make, you know, a great addition to the committee, you yourself can go and nominate them on uh, the Treasury. What is it? The Treasury Department and the Federal Register's website is where you can actually nominate someone to be on this equity committee. So, hey, if you have someone in your local community, nominate them. You never know. They actually could end up on this committee. So to round out our segment here, our first segment, we're going to go to South Carolina with Pastor Tracy Gant and wife Sunshine Gant have known the pain of addiction, poverty, and living on the streets, but they also understand what it is to receive support from those who have been there. And now the the South Carolina couple is applying that formula to combating homelessness in their community. So the Gants operate New Deliverance Baptist Church and Pickens County Shelter of Hope. And so the homeless in rural areas also have a harder time accessing needed services because of a lack of public transportation. And so Pastor uh, Gant said, quote, don't give up, don't give up on people just because they've turned to alcohol and drugs. The Gants want to spread a better understanding of homelessness and want to compel the government and people to contribute to help. They hope that if nothing else, their existence will educate people about the homelessness and how it about homelessness and how it can be present, even though one can't see it. So they're doing some great work. And if you want help out New Deliverance Baptist Church in the Pickens County Shelter of Hope uh, in South Carolina. So shout out to the Gans for doing some really great work. So we're going to wrap up our first segment of news. We're going to give you a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our international news. We're going to give you an update on what's happening in Russia. But then we're also going to come back stateside and talk about what the vice mayor of Little Rock, Arkansas, had to say. And also Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is back in the news this week with some interesting comments. So stick with us. We're going to be right back. 
You have been listening to the Black Agenda Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give a few dollars while you're at it. After all, the Black Agenda Podcast is supported by listeners like you. Now let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back, listeners. So like I said before the break, we're going to get into our international news and the only international news that is really being talked about right now, of course, is the Russia-Ukraine war. But the, another thing has popped up within all of the chaos that is happening in Ukraine, which is that African refugees are actually being mistreated by those in the country and by those by others in other countries that surround Ukraine, like Poland. And they're having trouble actually getting across the border out of Ukraine. And so now the international community is searching for more information on the reported mistreatment of African migrants that are trying to flee Ukraine. And so this has actually caused U.S. Congressman Gregory Meeks of New York to have to travel to Poland, uh, which is one of the Ukrainian border countries. And he's trying to move the, the ball forward for black migrants who are being pushed to the back of the line for train rides and other ways out of the country. And in addition to Congressman Meeks, there's now a group of prominent civil rights attorneys who have said this week that they plan to file a global appeal to the United Nations on behalf of black refugees who may be fleeing the war in Ukraine. And so Ben Crump has also has signed on to this uh, appeal. He has, you know, as you know, we have talked, documented his work before. And also attorney Jasmine Rand has signed on as well. And so Russia's ongoing war against Ukraine has present, presented problems for thousands of Africans who settled in the targeted East European country. And we've actually seen social media posts from people, including Ben Crump, that have gone viral that show Africans being turned away at Ukraine's border entry into Poland while white families are actually allowed inside. So, you know, Adrian, this is more, I guess, kind of, it's, it's really disappointing. It's, I wouldn't say not surprising, but it is definitely disappointing to see that even in the midst of the chaos of what is war and people fleeing a country, that we still have, we still revert back to those old thinkings and ways of that we have to separate people out. You know, it's like how I just don't understand the thought process of being, you know, to wanting to discriminate against someone who is black, who may not look like you, but they're trying to get away from chaos and death and everything else that's going on in Ukraine. And you turn them away at the border. You know, you treat them differently just because of how they look. I mean, it's pretty sad to see us revert back to just that old way of thinking, you know, and it's and it's happening. I saw some stuff on social media, you know, people being turned away in cars, you know, not allowed to get on trains, like physically not allowed to get on trains, which is just pretty, pretty ridiculous and just goes to show you we don't have just problems here in the United States. We also have problems abroad with the overall, you know, perception and treatment of black people, not just black Americans, but African-Americans in general, wherever we go, there is this attitude that we are just, you know, not as important as everybody else, you know? And, and I think you, you see it not only in, in the treatment of migrants who are leaving Ukraine, I don't mean to go on a tangent, but it's just, you see this, not only how we're treating the people leaving Ukraine, but it's the journalists who are reporting on the story of Ukraine have painted Ukraine as, as if it's the first civilized society to be part of a war in the 21st century. 
And like we didn't have the Syrian crisis in Iraq and Afghanistan, but those people are uncivilized. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. But, you know, it's just strange to see it play out in real time and people act as though Ukrainians, uh, you know, are the first ones to have to experience war in the 21st century. Yeah, Devin. I, I mean, and I'm glad you went on a tangent on that. Like I said, I have been, you know, following the story uh, a little bit, but not as not as closely. So I'm glad we've been kind of keeping everybody updated on what's going on in Russia. Um, but this is an interesting take on it to see how uh, people are being discriminated as far as just trying to flee because they're, you know, darker skin tone. Um, and it just shows that racism, you know, it's not just an American issue uh, and it's not just against African-Americans, but against, you know, black you know people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's I'm glad to say that there's a call for that. Uh, and listeners, we'll make sure to keep you in the loop because um, this thing is getting heated uh, by the day. There's a lot of a lot of destruction and death that uh, Russia is causing uh, and their people are paying for it. Uh, the Russian people are paying for it who have no part in it other than having to, you know, go, go the course of the leader. So um, we'll go to another store. We're going to bring you back, uh, back, uh, back domestic side uh, to Little Rock, Arkansas. Their vice mayor is being criticized after referring to one of the city's community-based intervention programs as a hug-a-thug approach during a recent Little Rock Board of Directors meeting. According to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, on February 1st, city leaders were discussing a resolution to declare violent crime a public health emergency when Vice Mayor Lance Hines lashed out during his time to address the measure. Hines said, this holistic approach, and this is going to offend some, the hug-a-thug does not work. It has never worked. Instead, Hines proposed that the city request support from the governor and have Arkansas State Police send troopers into the city. Hines later apologized on social media for characterizing the program in such a way. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. You know, uh, I, I think that declaring a public health emergency is a good thing when, and when faced with a lot of crime because – as we've mentioned, and as we're going to talk about later on in the season when we do our crime episode, um, crime has underlying um, um, underlying causes. There's a lot of things that make people turn to crime, and a lot of it's mental health. A lot of it's you know lack of opportunities. A lot of it's that people have been conditioned by the environment that they live in to live a certain way. So uh, it's not trying to hug a thug, but it's just trying to rebuild them and give them some um, some rehabilitation. That's what it's all about. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think that's this. I think whenever we try these new approaches, some people take it as us being soft on crime. And there are a lot of people out there who feel as though if if we're not putting, you know, our, our foot, on the neck of people who are committing crime, then we're being soft on crime. You know, I think sometimes people are very skeptical of new ways of doing it because they're afraid to look soft on crime. And he called it hug a thug because he thinks it's being too soft and he just wants the state police to come in, which we've known sometimes that actually can make problem problems much worse. So um, hopefully they figure out a different route there. And I'm glad he did apologize for that. But we'll move from Little Rock, Arkansas. We're going to go up to Chicago, Illinois, where Mayor uh, Lori Lightfoot is back in the news again. And this time it's over 
a meeting that she had over a statue of Christopher Columbus that has now set the stage for a a defamation lawsuit against the Chicago mayor by a former city attorney. So WGN9 is reporting that Lightfoot berated a group of lawyers when they met to to consider the removal of the Columbus statue in the wake of local demonstrations after the murder of George Floyd. And so according to the report, in an October meeting between Lightfoot and several other attorneys, it quickly devolved into insults with, insults with Mayor Lightfoot saying, quote, you make some kind of secret agreement with the Italians. What are you doing? You are out there measuring your your male genitalia, your private parts with the Italians, seeing who's got the biggest D, end quote. And Lightfoot allegedly said, you're out there stroking your D over the Columbus statue. I am trying to keep Chicago police officers officers from being shot. And you are trying to get them shot, end quote. Uh, the person who filed the suit is Smiamotis, uh, Smee, uh, which is he's posted it on Scribd. And he also claims that Lightfoot then asserted, quote, my D is bigger than yours and the Italians. I have the biggest D in Chicago, end quote. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go from, from Mayor Lori Lightfoot letting you know. <laughs> what you can expect in Chicago. I don't I heard this on the radio this morning, Adrian, and I made sure to go find this for this. Uh it could have been a quick hit because it was kind of funny. But uh I just thought, you know, Mayor Lightfoot, I can just imagine what else has been said if she's saying this during a meeting with other people. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's interesting. I whenever I saw this, I was like, surely it's gotta be like some doctored kind of stuff. She didn't say this stuff or whatever. Oh, she but said it. <laughs> yeah, she said it. It's uh, it's out there. You can go find it. Um, and I'm just like, you know, she's. I, I've always, you know, she. I'm still. She's still on my question radar. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't figured out what to really think about her. Um, she seems like maybe she's doing a good job. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but yeah, she's, she's got some fire under, um, apparently she's got a big D too. So um, she's calling the shots in Chicago. So, um, <laughs> no question right, who's running say, Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, so we don't get anybody thinking about D or anything. Let's move on to, uh, another story. Maybe, um, <laughs> I can't say that. Never mind. I was about to try to say something about Ron DeSantis, but well, I, was I like, can go left real quick. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I better not say. It. I can't. Um, anyway, what I can say is we've got a story about Governor Ron DeSantis. So, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is receiving backlash for berating children for wearing masks, and now the parents are speaking out. While speaking at the University of South Florida, DeSantis. Uh, demanded a group of Hillborough County High School students to remove their masks. Uh, during an interview with WFLA, uh, Kevin Brown Sr., the father of one of the seven students at the governor's press conference, said DeSantis should stop bullying kids. Quote, you don't have to wear those masks, DeSantis said during the conference. I mean, please take them off. Honestly, it's not doing anything. <laughs> and we've got to stop the spread. <laughs> Sorry. And we've got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine. But this is ridiculous. Sorry, listen. I don't mean to laugh. It's just like, what does he mean? It's not doing anything. There's been, there's like been so much science and research behind masks actually doing stuff. Um, 
And it's not COVID theater. I mean, I think we've got what a million deaths in, uh, with COVID. I know it's been two years, so it's you know about mm-hmm. five hundred thousand a year if we're looking at averages, and that's a lot of people who've died because of an illness. Where if we would have just wore masks, kept hand sanitizer around, and socially distanced a little bit, we could have had less deaths. But we've got people in leadership who think that it's all theater, so. Uh, Florida, 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 from, from getting, uh, an uproar with critical race theory that's not even been taught in schools to, you know, denying science. Yeah. I mean, what happened to one's right to make their own choices? You know, it's like, what happened to that? I'm, if I want to wear a mask, I can wear a mask and I shouldn't have to worry about the governor getting all triggered by me wearing a mask around him. You know, it's just... stupid is what it is. Uh, But we'll move on to wrap up this segment here with our last story and talk about one Tucker Carlson, our favorite person who for some reason likes to stay in the news by saying ridiculous things, but he said something else ridiculous this week when he was questioning whether um, or questioning, questioning and asking for the LSAT scores for the nominated uh, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, who's going to be the nominee uh, for President Biden on the Supreme Court. So Fox News personality Tucker Carlson is being called out as racist for questioning why President Joe Biden didn't share Judge Jackson's LSAT score during his recent State of the Union speech. So Tucker Carlson actually went on television and said, quote, how does she do on the LSATs? Why wouldn't you tell us that? That will settle the question conclusively as to whether she's a once-in-a-generation legal talent, the next learned hand. It would seem like Americans in a democracy have a right to know that and much more before giving her a lifetime appointment. But we didn't hear that, end quote. So (laughs) I thought this was interesting, Adrian. One, because of how ridiculous it is what he said. And two, I know you are currently trying to get into law school and you have taken the LSAT. So I don't know. You know, I know the LSAT is used as a qualifying measure to get into law school. But as far as what I've read, it is not a barometer to see how good of a legal mind you are. And I just think it's ridiculous that here we are trying to set the bar sky high for, you know, a black judge when we never question Amy Coney Barrett or Brett Kavanaugh in their LSAT scores. So it's just kind of hypocritical. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's, I didn't even think about it in that lens, but yeah, Tucker Carlson didn't uh, ask for Amy Comey Barrett or Brett Kavanaugh or um, anybody or, or Gorsuch <laughs> or anybody. I mean, just nobody. It's like it's just not a thing that you ask because everybody's been qualified through their careers and their professions. And I agree, the LSAT is not a determinant of your capabilities as a legal mind. I mean. I could say that because I'm biased because I didn't do as well on it and it was a tough exam. But um, I also know that there is a lot of things about standardized testing in general that makes it to where they can be biased um, and they can lead to a lot of negative uh, outcomes for um, students because they are, you know, ruled out because, you know, they didn't have a good enough score. So, Tucker Carlson, I'm, I mean, I don't even know if he has a law degree. I mean, I don't even know what he's talking about. I'm just like, <laughs> does does he even have a law degree or something? I mean, it's, has he taken the LSAT? Does, is, I mean, I wish there was like some uh, media correspondent assessment we could give him. I'm, you know, he would fail that miserably. So it's, 
Um, well, he's certainly not a journalist, so you can you can take that off the list of things he's not. But <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. So, listeners, uh, we hope you've enjoyed our news. Um, you know, we say we always have a lot of news, but as I reflect on it, I feel like this was a shorter news segment for you. A lot more discussion and and some funny mixed in there, and we like to do that. Um, we hope that you're liking the format of our weekly roundup. Make sure you leave us some comments as you're listening to us. You know, shoot us an email, get on social media, shout out how well you think we're doing, tell your friends about it, and all that kind of good stuff. But um, we're gonna give you another break before we get any further. We got our quick hits. I know y'all are excited about that. I know you're ready, so make sure you stick with us. We'll be right back. Would you like to contribute to a scholarship fund? Would you like to help us partner with nonprofits? Would you like to submit a topic request or maybe even appear on our show? If so, become a monthly patron. Go to blackagendapod.com and click the donate tab or click donate under the timestamps as you're listening to the podcast. Thank you for your donation and belief in our mission. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Let's get into it. Our quick hits here, and I'm going to start us off with the story out of Detroit. It says a TikTok star from Detroit was busted for forearm robberies after police recognized his custom Nike sneakers and pink-tipped hair from his social media dancing clips. Chosen Terrell Hanna uh, was arrested on February 23rd following an FBI raid on his home in Redford Township. He now faces charges of robbery, which affected interstate commerce and possession of a firearm in furtherance of a crime of violence, which are punishable by up to 20 years in prison. According to an affidavit in support of a criminal complaint, uh, Hanna who has more than 149,000 followers. Man, he's doing better than the Black Agenda. And 1.6 million likes on TikTok has admitted to carrying out four heists, targeting a 7-Eleven store twice, a gas station, and a tobacco store in Wayne and Oakland counties in 2021 and up presently in February of this year. The filing states that FBI agents learned of his alleged involvement in the robberies after receiving an anonymous tip, which pointed them towards the popular TikTok page, Chosen World. Ultimately, it was a young influencer's distinctly colored hair and Nike shoes with unique red dots that led to his arrest. So, listeners, if you are going to go and break the law, you know, be careful, I guess, of the type of clothing you wear. Um, and you know, don't get on TikTok doing a bunch of videos. You might want to just lay low if you're going to try to be a a person who's not a, an abiding citizen. Usually, abiding citizens lay low, but if you're a criminal, you know, <laughs> you, you need to probably lay low. Don't don't get on TikTok. Uh, that may or may not be good advice. <laughs> I mean, it puts me in the mind of the people who get caught, who like flash the money in the videos and have all the guns and stuff in the background. Doing all kind of crazy stuff, stealing, but you got all the showing your whole house in the background, and that's how they're finding you. Like they're going on your Facebook pages and your TikToks, and like, oh, wait, look at him right there, flashing all the money he just stole. Like, don't go steal something and then go flat. Like, come on, guys, be especially if you got some custom (laughs) Nikes, because that makes it sound like you know that's the only kind of pair around or whatever. So it's just like. You the only one that's got those, so <laughs> it's like, 
just you give yourself up. But um, there you go. You just got some free some free crime tips, listeners. Didn't know you were going to get that. <laughs> well, we'll move on from there and go to an interesting um, kind of historical fact that, that just you know popped up here. But the Stonehenge, if you may remember, it's kind of the circular uh, monument with, you know, stones that are made. I think they make tail time or something like that. But the Stonehenge may have actually served as a calendar to keep track of the yearly movements of the sun, which suggested a prehistoric link to sun worship in the eastern Mediterranean. And so this is according to new research. And it was a study published Tuesday in the journal Antiquity which shows the largest stones at the Stonehenge in southeast southwest England may embody a solar calendar with 365 and one-fourth days each year, which is almost the same as the 365.2425 days used in the modern solar calendars. And so it seems that Stonehenge was primarily aligned to the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere, which is December 2nd, 22nd, and by aligning the Stonehenge to the solstice and then using it to count the days in a year, the monument could have accurately reflected the annual solstices and seasons for hundreds of years. And this is according to one of the researchers. So if you know what the Stonehenge is, this is actually kind of cool um, when you see it, that they were actually like down to the, the millimeters. This was very, very on point um, with the way that they erected it. But it looks like it was actually pretty darn accurate when you line it up, you know, against the solstice. So there you go. Little, little scientific fact for you. That is an interesting fact. You know, I watch those shows on um, the history channel, like ancient aliens and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And they talk so much about structures like Stonehenge and how scientific and mathematical or rather how scientifically and mathematically precise they are. Yes. And, and how at the time they didn't really have those sorts of tools or they didn't, math wasn't that advanced. You know, it's just like (laughs) how they do it without help of ancient aliens. So, and when you hear stuff like this, it's just like, man, you know, and, and those, and I've never been to Stonehenge, but those structures were, I mean, those, those rocks are huge. huge. I mean, it's not like you could just construct a, a pulley and lever system and just kind of, or crane or something and get those up there like that. So I don't want to say we, we've been, you know, uh, visited by aliens or whatever, but you know, this is another <laughs> thing that adds to that that makes me think, you know, maybe those people are onto something. Mm, maybe <laughs> we need to have an episode about, you know, uh, aliens or extraterrestrials. We haven't had an episode about UFOs, I guess, because the black community doesn't care much about UFOs. Maybe we don't, <laughs> maybe we assume that. And listeners, uh, you need to let us know if you care about UFOs. We'll have, uh, what's his name? Uh, Neil Tyson. Yes, Neil uh, deGrasse Tyson. Yes. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We'll have him on, on the show to explain or something. Uh, but to take us to another story, and I didn't realize that. Um, Two of my three stories were drug related, um, <laughs> or not drug related, uh, the crime related. I guess um, this is about authorities who seized nearly three million worth uh, of meth. Uh, three <laughs> three million worth three million <laughs> makes it sound like I'm on meth or something. Uh, authorities seized nearly three million dollars worth of meth 
hidden amongst a shipment of onions during a tractor trailer inspection at a federal facility in San Diego. And this was on Friday, a canine unit for the U S customs and border border protection alerted to the trailer's shipment of onions on Sunday and officers found nearly 1200 small packages of meth agency said Friday in a news release. The 46 year old driver, Mexican national who was not named was arrested for the alleged narcotic smuggling attempt at the Oto Mesa port of entry commercial vehicle facility. Official said packages of meth, more than 1,336 pounds, 606 kilos. That's a lot of meth were shaped into small globes with a white covering. The agency says, and meant to blend into the onions. The drugs were estimated to be worth $2.9 million on the street. So a lot of meth there. And this is a quote from one of the officers. This was not only a clever attempt to try to smuggle in narcotics, but one I haven't seen before and also time consuming to wrap narcotics into small packages designed to look like onions said Sydney. Uh, Ike CBP director of field operations in San Diego in a news release. Also, while we have certainly seen narcotics and produce before, it's unusual for us to see this level of detail in the concealment. So I guess these are some uh, smart um, drug dealers and smart people. Um, I mean, not too smart because they got caught, but they tried. They you know, gave border patro- uh, border protection something they've never seen before. So, hey, you know, criminals are, are getting craftier by the day. Maybe if they use those skills for something else, we can – you know, have some uh, progress and, you know, cure cancer or something. (laughs) If only, man. But that's what I always think about stuff like this. Like this got found, but just imagine how much is going through without getting caught. Like this is 2.9 millions that got caught. But I swear this is like probably a small fraction of what actually goes through our ports and transportation hubs. So, man, $2.9 $2.9 million. That's that's insane. But uh, we'll move on from there. So we're going to go from talking about crime and drugs to another case of battery where two kids are now charged with battery after shooting silly string at other kids. So officers with the Cape Coral Police Department were called to the Ice Cream Club of Veterans Parkway on Saturday at around 8 p.m., And the two victims, both under 18 years old, told the officers that two boys came up and shot them with silly string. Being the victims are minors, the officers called their parents who decided to press charges. And so there was another uh, another woman speaking in the article. She said, quote, it's called silly string. It's silly. I think it's very excessive. And when she was responding to the fact that they are actually going to press charges, And she also, uh, there was another student named who said, I'd be mad for a second, but I wouldn't press charges for anything. And then the other uh, parent speaking earlier also said, it used to be the end of of school year bus. They would get off the bus and the parents would spray the kids with silly string. And that was our ritual for years. And so I don't know, Adrian May, is is this just a sign of the times? We've just gotten so soft, you know, (laughs) to where... Shooting silly string at kids is now considered battery, you know, but I, it was just, I, it really threw me off when they called them victims. I was just like, victims of what? Silly string? <laughs> it just, I mean, on, guys. I, don't know. I guess everybody's, um, 
you know, got a right of an opinion, but this is a flawed opinion because, again, it is silly string. I mean, I mean, yeah, if you, like, hold somebody's mouth open or shoot them in the eyes or something like that, maybe it becomes a weapon, but... <laughs> it just doesn't sound right. Even as you try to explain it, it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like nobody... It could be a weapon. <laughs> it's like, it's so far-fetched. It's like... <laughs> Okay, but you know another far fetched story. I was like, man, um, when I saw this story, I was like, you know, cows have some resilience. I guess I didn't know they could do this, but a cow that was carried away by floodwaters in Australia was found wandering a beach after floating down a river. The confused cow was spotted wandering Tuesday on Durabai Beach near Kalugata, Queensland, in Tweed Heads. New uh, uh, Tweed Heads, New South Wales. The cow is believed to have been carried away from its home by floodwaters and washed up in the air after floating more than three miles down the Tweed River from a farm in Terranora area. Police responded to the beach and were keeping crowds a safe distance away from the bovine. Animal research, uh, excuse me, animal rescuers were contacted to help devise a plan to relocate the cow. Heavy rains have called major flooding in this week's Australia East Coast, so it's, I guess, making it more difficult. Um, but I was like, man, you know, being swept up by floodwaters and being carried three miles and then just you end up on another beach. And unfortunately, <laughs> you know, it's a cow, so it's not like it's got to be like a sad story. Right, yeah, at least it's, you know, it's okay. Unless you're an animal <laughs> lover and like part of PETA or something. <laughs> You wouldn't be laughing at that, but I thought it was kind of funny. You know, I'm sure it was very confused <laughs> for a second. Um, but we'll move on to our last quick hit of the day of the episode. And so our last one is going to come from Will of Fortune. If you still watch it, there are, you know, I think my grandma still watches it. It's it's funny, but this past week, it kind of went viral for the wrong reason. So, um, so Will of Fortune contestants say that uh, he was humiliated after a viral moment um, came about this week. And so Will of Fortune contestant Christopher Coleman is defending himself after receiving backlash for failing to solve the, quote, another feather in your cap puzzle on Tuesday's episode of Will of Fortune. So Coleman claimed that he had not heard the phrase since childhood, and that was part of the reason he was unable to solve the puzzle. Coleman said fellow contestants Thomas Lipscomb and Laura Machado were also left embarrassed after not being able to correctly guess the phrase. So just to frame this here, on the puzzle, they have every word in another except O. They have every letter in feather except uh, feather in. They, they missed the I and N. And then they also don't have O or U in your. And they're missing the C and P in cap. I mean, if you look at it, it's pretty much soft. Another feather in your cap, right? They failed to solve this puzzle eight times. <laughs> so Laura first guessed another feather in your hat. Pretty close, but she didn't quite get it. Then Chris, uh, Christopher Coleman spin and tried to guess a G, and that was incorrect. And then after that, Thomas landed on bankrupt, so he didn't get the guess. And then Laura Machado had another try at it, and she said, another feather in your lap, which was obviously wrong. And then Chris had another try and guessed D, and that was wrong too. 
Laura had one more uh, chance at it. She correctly guessed the P. So now we have the P and the A and the word cap. And then she guessed it again and said, another feather in your mat. I don't know what she was thinking, you know. So I think eventually they got it, but good Lord. Another feather in your hat, another feather in your lap, another feather in your map. I don't know, Adrian. I think I'm not, obviously we're not on the show. We don't have the pressure of competing a Wheel of Fortune. But man, I hadn't heard another feather in your cap in a long time, but geez, does it really take that much? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I've never heard that. Uh, really? I don't think I've ever heard that before. I mean, may- maybe I have, and it's been a long time. I don't remember, but I'm just like, I don't think I've heard that before. I- so I'm just like, <laughs> but again, whenever you look at it, it's like, you know, there's only, I mean, there's only so many things I guess it could be, and they kind of cycle through a lot of them, mm-hmm. but uh, I would have definitely probably went with the uh, the cap. I mean, lap, you know, and, and all the other stuff. I mean, yeah. yeah. Map doesn't make sense. Lap doesn't. Hat, I could see, but you're one step away with cap. But I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. It's one of those things. Yeah. I mean, they... They tried to trip you up and make it hard and all that stuff. And I agree. I've been watching the Will of Fortune uh, this these later seasons, and it's just lost a lot of its energy and excitement. It's kind of yeah. dull. They've been doing a lot of celebrity Will of Fortune, and uh, it's not very good. But <laughs> we won't rant too much about Will of Fortune. Uh, we've been doing a good job rant-free, and uh, we'll keep it that way. Um, but what we're going to do, we're going to give you another break, listeners. Uh, we got to make sure to give you an ending. Got to make sure you stay in the loop of what's up and coming on the podcast. So sit in your seats, hold tight, sit back, listen well, and we'll be right back. We absolutely appreciate your support. You are the foundation, and our efforts work to better your communities. Tell your family and friends so we can all work to bring progress. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back, listeners. So as always, we like to leave you with giving you a look forward as to what is upcoming on the show. So first up, you can look forward to hearing me and Adrian again on Tuesday, March 8th. That is this upcoming Tuesday. And make sure you tune in for another great conversation. Uh, it's As always, we do a big here at the Black Agenda, so we'll have another great topic for you. Uh, so make sure you ten- tune in on Tuesday, March 8th for our next regular episode that will be coming to you. Now, after that, we'll be right back here next Saturday for weekly roundup number eight. So you get more news from the past week, but also some funny news, some odd news. So make sure you tune in to listen to me and Adrian give some commentary to the things that are going on in the world around us. So again, weekly roundup number eight is coming to you next Saturday, March 12th. And then our regular, our next regular episode is going to be coming to you Tuesday, March 8th. So make sure you tune in for both of those. And so before we get out of here, we wanted to also let you know that you can help us out by donating to us. We have a, a Patreon link and agents going to let you know how you can how you can help us out. Absolutely. listeners, We would appreciate those donations uh, more than, you know, and we want you to also know that your donations are going to go further than you think they are. It's not going to go towards just 
keeping us afloat as far as podcasting and bringing you the news and whatever. Uh, it's going to make it to where we can go to another level. I've been watching a, a show called Next Level Chef, and I've been thinking about taking our podcast at the next level. And we can't do that without people like you who are you know, subscribers to us, listeners of us, but also patrons of us as well. So make sure you do that to help us get to that next level. The way you do that is two ways. Very simple. One way you go to our website, click the donate tab from there. And the other way you're already in our podcast, you already listened to us, just scroll down in the timestamps. There's a donate button right there that you're probably looking at right now. Go ahead and give it a click. Go ahead and give it a touch. It's okay. When you get there, um, you'll be able to donate to us on a monthly basis. And as you donate to us, you'll get something back. We'll give you things, shout outs, even some different fan stuff like meeting with us once a month. So can't wait to have you as a monthly patron. Like I said, website, blackagendapie.com, the donate tab, or the donate under the timestamps. The other thing we like to do is pay it forward, mention another charity of the month. And this month is the Common Ground Foundation. We're talking about what they do to help empower and uplift youth from high potential communities to become future leaders. Our specially curated programs focus on character development, civic engagement, health and wellness, technology, generational wealth, entrepreneurship, career exploration, creative expression, and leadership. Wow, they've got a bunch of stuff there. Founded by entertainer Common and his mom, Common Ground Foundation provides a holistic curriculum that encourages youth to achieve academic excellence while inspiring them to realize their dreams and create an impact in the world. They come to us as dreamers but emerge as dreamers and believers. Nice. <laughs> had to had to add some little some some extra like theater to it. That's, been, that, you know, that's what I heard. The I was, COVID theater. I was like, well, maybe maybe you're giving the State of the Union. I don't know. <laughs> that's how you. Ended I mean, it. you know, soon, Devin. Very soon. Give very, me, you know, law school is throwing a little wrench in the in the plan, but. You know, 2023, you know, 2036, they're not too far away. Or excuse me, 2032, 2036, not too far away. No, not at all. That's, that's shoot, in, in politics, that's five years. That's <laughs> a couple years. You'll that's be right. there. Um, but before we get out of here, we also want to let you know to make sure you can keep up with us on social media. Make sure you follow us. Um, our handle is at Black Agenda Pod. And so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So make sure you follow us there. You keep up with us, what's happening here. The other fun thing is that we have launched a new section of our website. So if you go to blackagendapod.com forward slash news, you will find a bunch of great articles written by some really, really talented interns that we have here at the Black Agenda Podcast. So make sure you check it out. Um, every week we're releasing new articles from all different sorts of perspectives so in different topics. So it's very interesting and some really, really good stuff. So make sure you check it out, blackagendapod.com forward slash news, and let us know what you think. You can like their articles. You can comment. We encourage you to comment and let them know how great they're doing. Or if there are some things you would like to see, maybe they can improve upon. We will take all feedback. So again, blackagendapod.com forward slash news. And then follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Black Agenda Pod. So <clears throat> for me and Adrian, we have enjoyed bringing you the news. This is probably our favorite um, recording that we do every single week. So again, a fun-filled 
uh, news week, a lot of things going on, but we'll be back with you next Saturday to bring you weekly roundup number eight. And then you'll hear from us on Tuesday, March 8th for our next regular episode. So until then, we'll catch you next time. Thank you.